Morning guys, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ed and I help lead the student ministry here along with Nathaniel, big up Nathaniel at the back there, and Naya who's gone out? Gone out, shame. Oh, kids work, okay, so she's doing something even more important than this, cool. Um, so uh, I've been given the great honor of talking to you guys this morning and um, I would love to talk to you guys about you guys. Not individually specifically, I'm not gonna like out anybody or anything like that, but I wanna talk about Hope Church because I love this church. I think this church is absolutely fantastic. It's so good, I tried to leave and came back. Um, <laughs> it's a fantastic church. And I wanna talk a little bit specifically about our mission and our values and, um, and essentially how that works out in the day-to-day -day life of you guys, us. Does that sound good? Nice. Amazing, three or four people are awake, that's great news. Uh, so, the reason I came to this decision to talk about this is a few weeks ago, uh, like I say, I help lead the student ministry. Uh, I was invited with uh, Naya and with John Dirk, who's conspicuously missing, um, to an event called Meet Your Local Churches. And the basic setup was we all went, there was loads of other churches, from uh, leaders from local churches. We sat down sort of in a line in front of all the students, kind of like a firing squad, and uh, we did a bit of a Q&A. And obviously, the questions started out nice and easy. You know, where are you from? What church are you at? They progressively got a little more difficult. Tell us about your family. What degree did you do? Um, what degree are you currently doing? If you could be any vacation, which would you be? California road trip. Um, and then they became to the, sort of like the serious questions, the ones that actually matter because, you know, that's why we were there. And uh, I was sat here. Naya was sat next to me. There was a couple of leaders down and then John was sat at the end. And the question inevitably came around, what is your church all about? So it's a big question, important question. And uh, as it came up, I was sat here, I looked at John. John looked across at me and he went. <laughs> I looked at him and I went. Like that. And then I leant over to Naya, full of confidence, went, don't worry, Naya, John's got it. <laughs> and the question came around to him and John looked at me, raised an eyebrow, nodded his head and went, our church is all about pursuing God serving people and exporting hope. And I went, boom, <laughs> he's absolutely nailed it. Those are the three things that we do, he's nailed it. That's exactly it, I was right to be confident. That was my first thought. My second thought was, and I'm really sorry, um, I sat and I thought, you know what, I've never actually really taken into consideration what those three values really mean. I've never actually sat down and really analyzed them and thought, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to the individual average hoper? Um, I'm sure that's, that's, that's not just me, or it might be, okay, fair enough. Uh, you guys might not need this talk, um, but <laughs> the major things are that when I, was, when I was considering it, I came to the consideration that it might be a good idea to talk about these things just on the off chance as anybody who does think the same as me, or hasn't really engaged with them before, maybe is new, something like that, and I think what I want to do today is spend the next 20, 25 minutes, hopefully less than that, um, going through my thought process. So it's going to be a bit of a rambly talk at you guys. I hope you don't mind. Um, if you do, I'm here now. Um, so when I was, the first thing I thought about when I look at those three values, pursuing God, serving people, and exporting hope, to me, that seems like an action plan. And with any good action plan, what you want to do is start with the end goal and reverse engineer it. So what I'm going to do today is imagine exporting hope. That's the end goal for us average hopers, right? And we're gonna work backwards. So I'll begin with exporting hope. Now, out of interest, and feel free to just shout out, not too much, and don't heckle me. Um, does anybody here know where we get this idea 
to export hope, to take Christ out. Where does that come from? Does anybody know? There was a very general murmuring there. It comes from Jesus. Matthew, can you remember what the... Nailed it. There you go. Exactly. Well done you. Um, it's uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and it's called the Great Commission. I'll read it to you. It should come up on there as well, but it may not. Um, now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, as you would. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Like I say, it's called the Great Commission. And this was Jesus' last commandment to us before he got on the old Nike Express up to heaven. Um, He's coming back, don't worry. But it was his last commandment to us. Now, when we think of exporting hope in this context, um, we often will commonly, maybe you're not like me, maybe you are, but I commonly think of the work we do, the amazing work we do in, is it Rwanda and Uganda and Africa it is, isn't it? Yeah, I've got that right? Oh, thank God. Um, The amazing work we do out there. But my thought process then went to, what if you're not called to mission in Africa or in the desert? I mean, I, look at me. I don't know what that was. Look at me. I'm ginger. I would not survive in the desert. If I hear about a heat wave, I turn to ashes. I've got to be really careful. Luckily, I'm part Phoenix, so here I am. But what if you are like me? You couldn't be out in the desert. You just couldn't do it. What if you're the average hoper? And I think what we maybe not all of us, but what some of us perhaps make the mistake of doing is reading, make disciples of all nations, and hearing, make disciples of other nations. Spoiler alert, we're also a nation. There are people around you that you can also reach out to and make disciples of. What about uh, you know, your colleagues, your neighbours, your friends, your family even? Um, how do we reach those guys, if you're not called to be out in the desert, how do you reach those guys and export hope to your nearest neighbours? Well, we actually do a very good job of that at this church, I feel. Um, and one of the sort of the standard list of things would be witnessing generally, uh, evangelism would be another one, uh, life groups, doing life t- together, doing like, specific interest groups, things like that. But all of those things are forms of serving people, which ties in quite nicely, doesn't it? That'll show up eventually. Um, and when we talk about serving people, I often, people seem to be intimidated by the idea of serving and doing service. And the question always comes, but Ed, where would I possibly fit in with serving and ministry? Like it's a really big deal. Like there's only a select few people who do ministry and it's a really big thing to get involved in. It's not. Ministry just means spreading Jesus, talking to people about Jesus. The method is the bit that you get called to, but ministry, everybody can fit in somewhere. And it's really not as hard as you think. So what I want to do, if it's all right with you guys, is give you some practical ideas as to how you could start to think about where you might serve, what kind of a ministry you might fit into. Does that sound good? There's lots of nods, amazing, good, li- yes, as a result. So, first things first, consider your interests. Have a think about the things that you're into and the things that you do. Maybe you've got a passion for sport. Maybe you were an ex-semi-pro footballer and you just love to share it. Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you coached rugby at uni, for way of example. Could you share those skills? Could that be a group that you start? Uh, are you experienced in a pastime? Maybe you're an amazing artist like Naya, or maybe you're an absolutely incredible needle worker, like I'm sure some of you guys are. Um, And it can be anything. In the uh, previous church I briefly defected to, I'm sorry, um, they had a furniture restoration group. 
people came in with this old busted up furniture. They'd bring it in and they'd sit for several hours on a Thursday morning and they'd try and fix it up. Um, and there was people from the... Yes, and there'd be, uh, there'd be people in the church also there witnessing, sharing God and stuff like that. And it was amazing. Not much furniture got restored, admittedly, but some relationships to God did. And I think that's more important. So it can be anything are you experiencing a pastime. Um, maybe you've got some valuable, shareable skills. You know, good uh, Christian finance advice can be really hard to come by. Um, good uh, advice for people in the sort of cutthroat world of business can be hard to come by. Although I think Joel Thomas does that. Is that right? I do a group for businessmen. Big up Joel. There we go. So there we go. So maybe you've got a valuable shareable skill that you can, you can meet people and serve people through that way. But the big thing, and here's where I'm going to sort of land for a little bit, I think we should consider our gifts. So consider your gifts. Uh, I'm going to go to Romans 12, 6 through 8 for this, uh, which reads, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. Big up. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. And that leads me to my next point. And I think the point that I'm going to land on for the majority of my time, well, I don't think, I know, uh, this is where I'm going to be for a while, um, it's spiritual gifts. I want to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. And I haven't talked to Gordon. I haven't conflagged with anybody to like bring this together this is just pure happenstance that I keep seem to be talking about this which is great because Gordon talked about it what three four weeks ago um, something like that yeah. about that and it was and it was brilliant wasn't it really good talking about and like Josephine said before the body of Christ all of us here together and spiritual gifts so luckily this ties in really well thank God now in this church we do talk about spiritual gifts a fair amount um, I think that needs to be said but I think in Christendom at large there isn't a lot of good um, talks, teaching about spiritual gifts. It's something that doesn't get talked about a huge amount. Um, so I think what I would like to do is to look into it for a little bit and hopefully give you guys some practical advice, some encouragement to think about what your gifts are um, and how you can be serving through them and how you can serve people and export hope. Cool? Cool. So first, a little bit of a warning. Don't limit yourself to a specific list of spiritual gifts. If you were to Google spiritual gifts now, or if you were to get open a textbook that people often teach from in like kids groups on Sunday mornings, you'd probably find a list of about seven, and commonly they are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Those are not the only examples in scripture. I've no idea why that does the rounds, that list of seven, but it does. Um, it's not an exhaustive list, they're just examples. Um, so don't confine yourself to a small list of gifts. Uh, secondly, and this is a, a personal warning because this happened to me, don't confuse the, spirit, the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit with the fruits of the Spirit, because I did that in a room about this size to massive public embarrassment, so don't do that. Um, and one thing that I found recently, because we did this in a, a student group uh, recently, is when you ask people, do you have spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? You know, I asked this to the group and about two hands went up like, maybe me, I'm not sure. People don't feel confident in their spiritual gifts. They're not even sure if they have any. So what I would like to do to help you guys identify your gifts is go through that uh, Romans that we just went through. We'll start with those and we'll add as we go. And I'll give you some illustrations and some ideas as to whether or not you may have some of these gifts. Okay, so we'll start with prophecy. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Now, if you knew I was going to ask that question, you might well have the gift of prophecy. 
that's a joke, obviously. Prophecy isn't just about, um, about you know, telling the future or whatever. It's also um, having visions, having dreams, having words from God, being able to turn your staff into a snake, that sort of thing. So if you can do any of those things, especially the staff one, uh, let me know. Um, but also, you may have the gift of prophecy, um, the gift of faith. Now, you know someone has the gift of faith when things can be absolutely crumbling down around them. Things can be falling apart, and they can just shrug, say God works out all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. That's Romans 8.28. And they go to sleep. And that's it. Problem solved. They just know God's got it. Now, I wouldn't have said I have the gift of faith, but I can do that. I can't just go to sleep when things are bad, because my thinking is God's got it. I'll just get in the way. So I go to sleep. Um, you know. See, she gets it. <laughs> I like to say that I sleep like a Calvinist. Um, some people may get that, some people may not, but when I go to bed, I feel completely confident that God has absolutely got it, and I don't let it stress me. I just go to sleep and get out of the way. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't worry, specifically, in those sorts of like, hard times. Maybe you have the gift of faith. Um, a really common one, and a very popular one, the uh, gift of serving and hospitality. Are you the person who just loves having people in their home? Do you just love cooking meals for people and having people around? Are you, the kind of, uh, are you the kind of person that when you were doing the house viewings with your spouse and you were trying to decide what house to buy, the make or break part of the house viewing was how big is the kitchen, how big is the dining room? Maybe that was the make or break bit. Are you the kind of person that at the end of the month, you look at your like, bank statement and you're like, Wayfair, Wayfair, H&M Home, H&M Home, Wayfair, because you just keep buying bigger dining tables and more chairs to fit as many people in as you can. Um, Maybe you're the kind of person that's just completely forgotten your front door has a lock and it's just a conveyor belt of people coming in and eating your food. If that is you, let me know, but if that is you, maybe you have the gift of serving and hospitality. Kirsten's smiling, she knows it's her. Um, the gift of serving and hospitality. Um, the gift of teaching. Maybe you wish you were up here doing this right now. Um, I love it, just so you know. I absolutely adore doing stuff like this. I would like to think uh, I have the gift of teaching. The jury might still be out for you guys, but I like to think I have it. And um, I'm really passionate about teaching people. I love connecting with people and having them hear something about God that maybe they didn't know before, or maybe they just had it refreshed for them. I adore that feeling. It's the best. Um, recently, I went to, I got invited to the Christian Union again. They had me back, which was weird. Um, and I got asked to do uh, a study there. Now, in my head, I was doing a small Bible study for five or six people, probably a small amount of people. So I literally just jotted some notes down on my phone, shoved it in my pocket, and off I went. Um, I got there, and they expected me to be doing this. There was a group of 15 or 20 students, and they wanted me to stand up for 15, 20 minutes with the presentation stuff. I was like, well, I don't have that. So um, I ended up just standing up and just telling them what I had. And it went really well. And it was awesome, and God really blessed it. And I just loved doing it. Um, Maybe you have the gift of teaching. Do people come to you to have things explained to them? Do people come to you to hear an interpretation of scripture that they just couldn't riddle out? Do you have a knack for helping people understand things that are quite complicated? You might have the gift of teaching. Maybe you have the gift of exhortation. Um, do you just know how to get people up and going and get them cracking and get them excited about doing something? Do you have the ability to just G people up and get them moving forward successfully? If you do, you might have the gift of exhortation. And if you do, you might want to consider a uh, line of work in the government. Um, moving on before I get in trouble. Uh, the gift of giving. Now, don't worry. I can see people touching their wallets like, what? This is not the sneak attack tithing sermon. Um, because there's other things that you can give of. You can give of your time. You can give of your skills. You can give of your knowledge. And yes, OK, cash. But um, 
you don't have to give cash. For example, are you the type of person that knows how to grout, knows how to lay bricks, knows how to tile, knows how to fit you know, worktops? And whenever the call goes up for help in the granary, the bat signal goes out, do you grab your tools, throw them in the Ford Ranger, and you're over? Is that you? You might have the gift of giving. And uh, tied really closely to this is the gift of generosity. So when you give of your time, your skills, cash, that sort of thing, do you give big? Do you love to richly bless others because you've been richly blessed? Um, I, I, uh, yeah, all right. I will admit in front of everybody here, and I repent of this because I'm working on it by God's grace. <laughs> this isn't me. I do not have the gift of generosity. Um, I wish I did, but I don't. I'm trying to get better at it. But um, I'm, I'm the person that when someone says, oh, I've got a project in my house coming up, can you help? Or, hey, I'm moving house, can you help? I'll say yes, but I'll offer the minimum amount of time I can to make them not think I hate them. Um, so it's minimum input to make sure they think, yeah, he's okay, he's all right, he obviously doesn't dislike me in any way. Um, but if that's not you, if you're the person that is always on the other end of the sofa when people are moving, perhaps you have the gift of generosity. Um, if you have the gift of being able to generously tithe and give joyfully, <laughs> please let me know, because I'd love to work on that. Um, we'll, do, yeah, we'll do a few more, because you've got nowhere to be. Uh, the gift of leadership. Do you know how to make decisions confidently? Are you able to take in lots of information and lots of data and make successful, confident decisions? Um, are you able to take on lots of responsibility and not let it crush you? Because that's very difficult to do. Perhaps there's, there's a line of work in leadership for you. Um, if you also find that other leaders come to you to ask for help, which you know, we, it happens a lot here, then perhaps you have the gift of leadership and the gift of mentorship, which is really rare and needs to be nurtured. Um, tied really closely to the gift of leadership as well is the gift of administration. People often don't think of that as a gift, um, but it is key. It's really helpful for leaders because most leaders are, in my experience, terrible time planners. So, see, she knows. Um, so uh, let me give you a bit of an illustration because a lot of people don't think of the gift of administration as a gift. <clears throat> I know that my daughter, who's one, her name's Adeline, I know she has the gift of administration. And here's how I know. A couple of weeks ago, we have a little like porch front lobby bit where all the shoes and stuff are, and there's a tub with the kids' shoes. And uh, I went in to see what she was doing, and all of her shoes had been strewn into the corner where she tried to put them on, realized she was one and couldn't, and decided to just make a mess. Um, so she was playing with the shoes, as kids often do, parents know, kids like to play with shoes, and she was making a mess, as kids always do, because that's their spiritual gift. Um, and at this point, she'd gone through her shoes, and she was beginning to dip into the tub to take out Seth's shoes. So she picked out two shoes. I watched her do this. She got a blue and a black. She sort of frowned at them, put one down over there, one down over there, stomped, toddled, back over to the pot, got out a black one and a yellow one. She looked at the black one, put it with the other black one, looked at the yellow one, threw it down petulantly, and stomped back over to the tub. She then got out the uh, blue and yellow shoes, paired them, looked at me, went, ooh, smiled, and ran off to her room for a victory poo. Now, that's how you know you've got the gift of administration. Not the poo, that's irrelevant. Um, it's that desire to have things organized, a place for everything and everything in its place, that need to have things in sequence where they should be. Um, it's, it's a really important gift that gets overlooked, I think, in, some, in my opinion. She gets that from a mummy. I absolutely do not have the gift of administration. If it wasn't for Outlook calendars, absolutely nothing would get done by me. Um, but maybe you have that gift. If you do, you'd be really helpful running and planning events. So let us know. Um, we'll do two more. Uh, the gift of mercy. Uh, before we go on, again, because uh, quite a lot of you know me quite well, this is not me. 
I do not have the gift of mercy. Uh, I'm just saying it now for you will think it. Um, having the gift of mercy is being empathetic. It's considering how other people might be thinking about something or feeling about something, taking that into consideration. It's giving the benefit of the doubt. Um, this is a good way of saying it. Uh, it's loving the person more than the situation. I, I, it's just not me, I, I've got to be honest. There's been plenty of times, Nathaniel and I will tell you, there's been plenty of times we've been trying to deal with an issue in student ministry, we've been trying to think of a way to deal with something, and my go-to response is, that's their problem, isn't it? Um, not the correct response, and thankfully those guys both have the gift of mercy, and they tow me back into line, which is really great, which is why we make such a great team. Um, but if you are able to give the benefit of the doubt, <clears throat> and you're able to love the, situation, uh, the person more than the situation, maybe you have the gift of mercy, and maybe you have the gift of cheerfulness or joy. Maybe you can give cheerfully. Maybe you're the person that just, it doesn't matter how bad things get. You just still come in every Sunday, you sing worship, you leave on a Sunday afternoon, you're still singing worship. It gets to Wednesday, you're still singing worship because you just know God is great. And you just always have that sense and presence of joy in your life. Maybe people come to you when times are hard because you just lift them up. Maybe that's you. So those are just some sort of practical ways of identifying the different gifts and analysing and seeing if maybe one of those or two of those or even more might be you. Um, but when we talk about our gifts, we'll move on a bit, we need to make sure that we're not just talking about them and thinking about them, but that we're also using them. Um, in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, we, uh, we see it says, as each has received a gift, I'm going to pause there actually, it says, as each has received a gift. It doesn't say, as people might receive a gift, or maybe they'll get one, maybe they won't. It says, has received. Because there are a lot of people out there that say, I don't have a gift, I don't think I'll ever get one. It's not true. God's got gifts for everybody. You will find one, you do have one. So, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, in order to do all that God has for you, and to do it for Christ's glory, we need to be pursuing God. It's almost as if I planned it to land that way, which I didn't because it's not my spiritual gift. Um, now, if you're not sure of your gifts, consider what you do, consider your interests, what you're interested in. Um, Consider how other people act around you, what they expect of you, what kind of things they come to you for, because that could inform it as well. But most importantly, if you're not sure on your gifts, ask God. We've got a generous God, so ask God. And if there's a gift you don't have that you really want, ask God for it. There's a lad in uh, student ministry who was telling us that when he first became a Christian, he was really timid. He was scared to talk to people about his faith. He didn't know how to go about talking to people and explaining who Jesus is, things like that. So one night he lay in bed and he prayed and said, God, give me the gift of evangelism. Within a week, he was on a street corner on his little soapbox, giving it large for the gospel. And now he just does that anytime he fancies it. He can be walking down the street, the spirit seizes him and he just starts preaching, which to me sounds crazy, but I mean, to him, it seems to be working. Um, so if you, if you want a specific gift, ask God for it. Uh, but then most importantly, when we're going away at the end of this and we're considering our gifts and we're considering serving and how our gifts fit in with that, don't lose sight of the goal. Now, if you're not sure what the goal is, let me take you to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. By the way, if you're a note taker, I'm so sorry, I move so fast through this stuff. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, everything's about Christ, right? As one of my favourite pastors says routinely, it's all about Jesus, and that's the attitude that we need to have. Yes, we're going to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We need to be speaking the truth in love. It's all about Jesus, forgetting that it's all about Jesus and thinking that it's about us can lead to lots and lots of issues. So don't lose sight of the goal. So a couple of warnings, um, things to be wary of, and then I'll hopefully lead you guys out on a, on a high. Um, so first warning, <clears throat> be wary of what I call gift envy. Um, there should be unity amongst the, uh, amongst the body of Christ. There shouldn't be strife. We shouldn't be resenting other people or wishing we had what they have. Um, God gives the gifts he does for a specific use and a specific purpose. and your specific use and purpose might be different to someone else's. Not worse, not better, but different. And that's in God's hands and that's important for you. Um, secondly, the opposite of that is gift elitism. Um, so don't walk around like you're the big man on campus because you're, I don't know, a prophet surrounded by administrators, okay? Your gift is just one of many and your method might just be one of many. No gifts are better or worse than the other and no methods are better or worse than the other. To sort of explain what I mean, imagine if you had two people who both have the gift of serving and hospitality, right? Uh, one might be all about getting people into the house, doing home-cooked meals with the tomatoes that they grew themselves, with the manure that they made themselves that we don't really ask questions about. Or it might just be a case of you have people in and you buy them a pizza. It could be Domino's, it could be Caspian. Not out in Droitwich, though, unfortunately, we don't get it. Um, but that, those are two different methods of the same gift. One's not better, one's not worse. They're just different methods for the same gift. Now, the key thing that I want to leave you guys with, to take away here, is gifts and ministry are really important for serving people and thus exporting hope, but they're also great for building up the body of Christ. So use your gifts that you have in this church so that we can build up more people to serve more people and export hope to more people. So if we work with our gifts on the body of Christ that we have here, we build up more people and it grows exponentially, which I think would be fantastic. Um, we're all supposed to be chasing after and pointing to Jesus. We're supposed to be Christ honoring and Christ pointing. Um, so don't lose sight of the end goal. It's all about bringing people to Jesus through your serving, through your ministry. So to finish then, let me just encourage you to look into your gifts, pray about what God has for you and find a place to serve. Um, if the ministry you're best suited to, by the way, uh, or the thing you feel called to, if it doesn't exist, grab a leader and start it. That's right, that's cool, isn't it? That's cool. Yeah, see, everybody would be right behind that. Just grab a leader and start what you want to do. It would be amazing. Jim would be right behind you. Not physically. Um, so to finish then, if we can pursue God until we're assured in our gifting, we can then be a great help in ministry and serving people. And then ultimately, through that, we export hope. 
So hopefully that's been, that's been fairly practical for you guys. Hopefully that's been fairly encouraging. Um, I would just like to pray for us all before I dip out, if that's all right. Um, so I'm just going to go for it. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to look at your word, think about what it means for us and how we can apply it in our lives. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful church and the missions and values that we have and that we share. Um, I just ask the Holy Spirit that as people go away today, you fill them up and you lead them to think about what gifts you've given them, what abilities and skills they have, what interests they may have, and how they could be using those to, to pursue you, to serve people, and to then export hope to everybody that they see, whether in this nation or another. We just pray, Lord, for an outbreaking of spiritual gifts in this church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Cool, there we go. So we clapped at the beginning. I don't know if you want to clap at the end. No, don't, don't do twice. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, one, one of can we, can we have the uh, slide up with the gifts on, the list of gifts? Can I, can I, um, can I get you to put your hand up if, if one of those things you identify with, or more than one? Okay, that's most of us. Uh, I just want to add, add to Ed's prayer and, and pray um, for, for us to have increased opportunity and anointing from the Holy Spirit to use those gifts to build up the body but to also export hope. That's what you were saying, isn't it? Uh, can I pray? Why don't you just sort of hold out your hands? Because I ultimately want the Spirit to be on it, don't we? We want him to anoint it. We can be good at something, practically, but when the Spirit anoints it, that's when stuff really happens, isn't it? Yeah, Jesus, we, we just want to thank you for all the gifts that you've, you've assembled in this room. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every one of them. Now we pray, Holy Spirit, would you anoint it in increasing measure? Romans talks about using your gift in proportion to the measure of faith. Now I pray for an increase of faith, God, to use our gifts for your glory. I pray that you, this week, God, we would be conscious of opportunities to use our gift to share the love of God with others. I pray in these coming weeks, God, you'd give us opportunity to use our gifts to build up the body, to encourage, to, to exhort each other. In Jesus' name, even now, Holy Spirit, would you be calling to mind moments, opportunities to, to grow in our gifts. In Jesus' name. Amen.